Hello, everyone. It's really nice to see you as well. To all of you who are here in person and to everyone who has joined us online, as well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Craig, and it's a joy to serve as an elder here on staff at Riverside. And so we have been uh, in a short uh, series called Choose to Love, and we introduced that last week. And the idea around that is, as a church, we value love. You hear that often. It's rooted into all that we do, all of our systems. We try to be really, really good at loving people. We try to love internally everyone who calls this place home well, uh, where whenever you give, money goes into various funds like the Care Fund, which helps us to make sure that there aren't people who are struggling unnecessarily through unforeseen things and just over the years, been able to bless so many people and uh, live out the commands to love one another. And that's rooted in our DNA. We are for the world, we are for the king, and we are commanded to love, and we do that. But not only do we love internally, but we also love externally. And we're called to love those in the church, and we're also called to love those who are not here in the church. And so last week, we were encouraged to love the lost And this week, we're going to continue a little bit with this theme, and we're going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures this morning and then uh, just settle on some key things. And I'm going to introduce you to what we do as a church in how we love those who are poor. And so this morning, what we are going to be digging into is how we can choose to get better at loving the poor. So here are a number of Uh, texts. And I just took a snapshot. I could have done a whole lot more. But just listen to the tone of Scripture in relation to this. So Psalm 146, He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. Psalm 103 verse 6, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all uh, of the oppressed. Psalm 140 verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and he will execute justice for the needy. Proverbs uh, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Proverbs 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gates. For the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Proverbs 21 verse 13. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Isaiah 1.17, listen to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And as I said, this is just a snapshot, a small window into an overwhelming um, heart of God, which is for those who meet the definition of poor orphaned, widow, foreigner, stranger, all of those who cannot help themselves if 
you are part of God's people. If you love God, we need to respond in the same way to have the same heart for those who find themselves in this kind of need. And one of the things that Scripture uses is it interchanges uh, the word poor with oppressed, uh, with injustice, because what we know is people who um, meet the definition of extreme poverty, and I'll go through that a little bit later, are not just suffering from poverty. Some of the realities of people in our country and in the world who live in extreme poverty are also victims of crime because some of uh, most of our crime happens in incredibly poor areas and those who are wealthy get to uh, move into places where we're safe from those kinds of things. Uh, the cycles of poverty, education, uh, the costs of traveling, and just if you find yourself in a situation where you are living in extreme poverty, you're often victims of a number of other systems of great injustice. Which is why when you see the word poor, you often see the word oppressed and injustice. And so when we have and grow our hearts and choose to love the poor, one of the things that we see in Scripture is we also have to grow our hearts and understand that we're fighting not just poverty, but injustice and oppression. I introduced you guys to this term, brutal facts, last week. And we spoke through the brutal facts around uh, people who don't know Jesus. But here are some of the brutal facts around poverty. So extreme poverty is defined by a household living on less than $1.90 per day. This is the World Bank and some of those guys doing their research have come up with this as Uh, what the standard for kind of extreme poverty is. You can see that's a household a month, 867 rand. Uh, I have a friend who is quite high up in the Department of Social Development. He says in a South African context, this is wrong. Their research into households in South Africa who meet this definition are living on 560 rand a month per household. Just try and imagine how to get through your month on 560 rand. For you and your whole family. So there are currently 1.3 billion people around the globe who endure this reality. 663 million are under the age of 18. And of that 1.3 billion, almost half live in sub-Saharan Africa. That's where we live. Again, I'm so aware of how God has placed us as a church with some of the crisis that the globe is facing. The UN reckons that as a result of the COVID global pandemic, this number is going to double in the next 18 months. Which almost puts a billion people in sub-Saharan Africa living between 860 and 560 rand a month. This is again quite overwhelming. And poverty is a global problem that does need to be specifically addressed. This is where Branch Out steps in, and Branch Out is just the arm of the church that seeks to engage our community with love and truth and to be fighting against those systems of injustice that are affecting uh, those people in our community. It is directly engaging with the poor and those who can't speak for themselves, who can't deal with 
uh, all of what life has thrown them and the situations and systems that they find themselves in. But something that really drives branch out is the story in Luke 10. And if you have Bibles, I want you to turn there with me as we're going to go through Luke 10 for a few minutes. And I just want to share with you some of what kind of underpins why we do what we do. Already you've seen the heart of God, you see some of the stats and, and the problems, but this is again just so core to what drives us and fuels our love for the poor. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Jesus, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A great question. We all would love to know the answer to that. And what is written in the law? Jesus replies, how do you read it? Well, he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And also, love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going along down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the Samaritan, um, he as he traveled, uh, and he came to where the man was, and he saw him. Sorry, I've jumped ahead of myself. Go back to verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So if you've been in church for a while, you might know the story, a great one that we tell kids and a favorite Sunday school story. But one of the things that I love so much about this passage is, Whenever Jesus tells a story about the kingdom or a parable, one of the best ways to try and understand it is to ask the question, who is Jesus in the parable or the story, and who am I in the story? And that's one of the ways that Jesus teaches about the kingdom. And in this parable and in this story, you and I, we're the victims we're the victim of the bandits, the, the robbers. We're the people or the person who has been uh, beaten, robbed, stripped of everything, lying naked in the ditch, half dead. That's who, who we are in the story. And Jesus is the despised Samaritan, the one who actually comes along and has mercy on us. 
Because Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. He's showing what it is to have eternal life. And Jesus is always teaching people about who he is and what he does. And so what we see the similarity between the Samaritan and the work that he does with the victim of the attack and what Jesus does on the cross is very similar. See, instead of uh, this Samaritan going and pouring out olive oil on wine to dress the wounds, Jesus deals with not our physical wounds, but our eternal wounds. And he doesn't deal with it with olive oil and wine, but his very blood shed out for us in our place on the cross for our sin. As he carries uh, this person to the innkeeper and gives the innkeeper some coins uh, to look after him, uh, Jesus brings us to the Father. And not only does he, doesn't just give him some coins, but offers up his very body uh, as a perfect sinless offering in our place. And what Jesus is modeling and showing is that to be in the kingdom is to be one who has received mercy. When Jesus says, what do you you need to do to inherit eternal life? Love God and love your neighbor. Love your God with everything that you have. And then what it means to love people is to love them with mercy. And Jesus shows that story and he shows us what mercy is. Because how did Jesus love us? Think about the love we received from Jesus. Think about how he demonstrated what love looks like. It was mercy. Jesus showed that in the story. Who is the one who was the neighbor? It was the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. And Jesus doesn't just set us up. He demonstrates that for us in how he has overwhelming mercy for us. We did not deserve the gift of salvation. Yet in the great exchange, Jesus, who was without sin, went to the place for us who was with sin. And what we receive in return is the gift of free life, oh, the free gift of eternal life. We know what mercy is, and we are called to do likewise. And as a church and with branch out, The way that we love the poor is because we have received overwhelming love and mercy. And so in obedience to scripture, we go out and do exactly the same. Our goal and our response to our Savior is to love the poor with incredible mercy. In fact, this is not a choice that we get to make. This is an obedient response to uh, Scripture. In fact, uh, Tim Keller talks about this uh, in a book that he wrote called God and Justice. And he says that it is impossible for us to love our neighbor if our neighbor is a victim of any kind of injustice or oppression. If we are leaving them in that situation, we do not love them. And so to love our neighbor And to be a church that loves our community, it is to be engaged in the fight to rid our area of any kind of uh, injustice, uh, any kind of oppression that remains to see people living really free lives. And so for us to love our neighbor, it is to show mercy and to be fighting any kind of injustice that exists in our community. 
So what this has led us to do, and historically, you might be aware of Branch Out, and you might know what Branch Out does. And so over the years, Branch Out has uh, just engaged in caring for our partner organizations. There are a number of organizations that are in the fight. Uh, They're in the fight for orphans. And a lot of organizations in our church are uh, fighting for a safe place for the most vulnerable in our community. And we love them. We've supported them. We've tried to encourage them as much as we can. And we still have our partner organizations. But if you look at those brutal facts around poverty as a church, we can't stay uh, as we are as an organization. And so what branch out over the last a year and a half or so has been doing, it's been redeveloping itself into a stronger vehicle to be fighting and engaging in some of these uh, systems of oppression that are keeping the poor poor. So here's what's happened. Branch Out has moved from being just a ministry of Riverside Church to a Section 21A nonprofit company. So what that means is that we get to legally um, do far more than just a ministry in the church. We needed a legal vehicle and a financial engine that can help us do more and give us far more clout in the community. A nonprofit company is different to your nonprofit companies. A um, What's, what we are is uh, we can generate income, we can generate profits. We can't just keep any profit for ourselves. A nonprofit company can make a lot of money, but puts all of that money back into social concern and social projects. So what we are doing is generating projects and creating systems that are going to help us generate significant revenue so that we can really make a dent in uh, the 553 million people who are living in extreme poverty, some of them on our doorstep, two kilometers from where we are right now. And so one of the ways that we do that is uh, through what we call an understanding, and, and someone's going to come up on the screen now, understanding the economics pyramid. All right, and our, um, in every community, someone is always going to be the richest And you can work that out, right? Everybody just needs to get bank accounts and you can kind of see who's at the top of the pyramid and then we get to see who is at the bottom of the pyramid. And every community, micro community, this is true. Someone has the most money and then there is someone who has the least amount of money. But what is happening in our country is we've become the country with the greatest divide between those who have lots of money and those who have no money. And unfortunately, any kind of systems and government initiatives, and, and let me tell you, because uh, I'm spending a lot of time with guys in the DSD, government is trying to do an incredible amount of work to try and combat this overwhelming uh, tide of poverty that is wrecking our country. But what happens is most initiatives affect those who have some kind of money. And no one is engaging with those who meet the definition of the poorest of the poor. Because there might be an internship available, but you need money for transport. If you've got children, they need to be going somewhere for care. You need an outfit to go to your job interview. You need running water so that you can be clean and presentable. And 
And so what happens is the gap is just widening between those who have and those who don't have. And so how Branch Arts has repositioned itself as a Section 21A nonprofit company is to be directly engaging with those who meet the definition of the poorest of the poor in our community. No one is caring for them, and we are uh, fighting on their behalf. And so the people who meet the definition of the poorest of the poor in our community are illiterate, single, unemployed moms. They are the most vulnerable and the poorest in our community. What they have to overcome to even just get to work is so significant in relation to what they earn and the amount of money that they have. Followed after them are child-headed households. And just in the community, two kilometers from here, we've identified 13 child-headed households. Those in informal settlements who are physically or mentally disabled. Just the challenges for them to get to work, to overcome what they journey with every single day is so overwhelming for them. And then the elderly. And in our informal communities, the amount of elderly that have inherited grandkids and grandkids because of the AIDS pandemic that is also wrecking our country and their social grants just don't cover uh, what they need to care for grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And so what's happening is even on our doorstep and in this immediate community, this poverty cycle is just continuing. And we've got generation after generation just um, being the cycle being perpetuated over and over again and this gap widening and the poor just really, really struggling. And so the way that we are doing this is through the development of projects that help us with financial revenue. And so, uh, yeah, let me just maybe go through this. I I, I don't want to overwhelm you with uh, some technical stuff, but you need to know uh, what we're about and what we're doing as a church so the reason we've moved to being a nonprofit company is it allows us to be financially stable while being socially transformative. As a Section 21A company, we're able to issue tax clearance certificates. So if you need to offload a lot of cash, uh, you can do that to branch out and, and get a tax break for that. And that money goes straight into f- the poorest of the poor and in the systems that we're developing to help and aid them. And so there's three phases to our projects. And uh, the first one is a literacy program, and you're going to hear that. If the poorest of our poor in our community are those who are illiterate, the first thing we need to do is help them to read. And they can't get employed because they can't read. They can't sign a basic contract. There's just so little they can do if they cannot read or write English. Then there's the short-term goal of finding ways to deal with the hunger crisis, And so there's a vegetable garden that we are in the process of developing that enables them to do a cash crop uh, that they can sell, that all funds back. And then lastly, just building, and one of the things that we're building is a brick-making initiative where, for example, a single unemployed uh, mom can come off the streets, she can immediately start working in the brickyard, in the afternoon she can engage in the literacy program, And all the funding from the bricks, and again, because it's a Section 21A company, there's a portion of the bricks uh, that uh, builders and businesses can get a tax break on. And so just offering a product that is uh, an ISO uh, certified uh, product that then when people see what they're buying, goes straight back into not making anybody wealthy, but taking the poorest of the poor out of their poverty. 
And so all the money that is generated through our systems goes to developing our literacy program to take it forward into an FET college uh, for people to gain skills and then to help set them up with small businesses. And so our goalpost with Branch Outs is to have a illiterate single mom who is unemployed to come through the program and has her own business where she is uh, able to take her family and herself out of the poverty that she's in. And unless we're doing that, we're not going to be able to break poverty cycles. And if we're not moving the poorest of the poor up, we're just going to keep on widening the gap. And so this is what Branch Art kind of stands for. This is what Branch Art does. This is how we as a church are trying to uh, be in the ring and fighting against the systems of injustice that have uh, kept the poor where they are. And so this is where you as a church get to go, hang on, I have some expertise in teaching. I'm a retired teacher. Uh, there's all sorts of things that I've done in my life. Hang on, I've got some uh, skills in industry and in the building industry. Uh, there's so much that you can get involved in. We're at the development stage of it. Uh, we're in the process of applying for our 18A uh, tax clearance certificate is a lengthy process. Some of you might know that. And so there's huge opportunities that you can get involved in. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hand over to Sarah. Sarah is a key member of our Branch Out team, and she's just going to just uh, talk to us about one of our um, initiatives that we're starting at the moment. So give her a warm round of applause. Good morning, everybody. Um, if I can just ask you all to, to stand, please. Thank you. Okay, so today I get to speak to you about the Adult Literacy Program, but before I kick off with that, I need some volunteers to join me on stage. I'm looking for about five people. There are some um, factors that you need to take in, in, in mind here. You have to like chocolate, okay? Okay. It's, it's got to do what steak does for, for Steve, you know. We've, we've got to like chocolate, okay? Um, you've got to be able to read. You have to be able to follow instructions, okay? <laughs> and, um, yeah, you've got to be a kind and loving Christian. Okay, so let's go. I need five people on the stage. Kate, if I can ask you to come up. Francois, and you can bring Cora. She's your, she's your loving and helping wife. Please bring her up. Over there, if I can ask you to come up. Another lady. Alma, did you raise your hand? <laughs> I need another. There we go. Thanks, Alma. Dallas, would you like to join us on stage? Thank you. Okay, guys, if I can ask you to get on the stage while I get off the stage... Kate, I'm going to give you this. There are instructions in here. Just pass it along. You all have the same instructions, but now we need to see who the winning team's going to be um, or the winning person. You can take it and pass it along. Thanks, Kate. Don't read it as yet. And the, the winner is going to get this bag of Quality Street. You can see my mouth, eh? Okay, so that's what's up for grabs for the person who finishes first. Okay. I'll be down here. I'll cheer them on, do whatever you want. Guys, open up, read, and follow your instructions very carefully. Read. Five. Oh, wait a minute. Cora and Francois, just pass one to Dallas, please, because you're a team. Just one for, yeah, there we go. Sorry, Dal. 
Thank you. No, 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 no. Who's the, just follow the instructions, please. Don't ask any questions. Okay? You may go ahead. <laughs> Am I the winner? <laughs> okay, so Alma had... Boogie, boogie. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. Pleasure. Okay, so Alna was able to follow through her instructions. Why? Because she could understand. She could read. Would anyone like to share with me how you felt with what you had to do this morning? Kate? Yeah, quite embarrassed. I mean, like I'm standing up here asked to do something and I actually can't do it. I have no idea what this means, no idea what it says. Felt a bit helpless. So you don't write, you don't read Chinese, Kate? No. Okay. Okay, thanks. And you guys? I felt maybe there's something in the picture or the symbol that I need to do, and I'm not getting it. A secret code. <laughs> and yourself, how did you feel? Um, I understood the point of what you were trying to okay. do. Okay, okay. Okay. Dal, how did you feel not being able to... Oh, bugger, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> okay, shame. I've got a, I have got a, a prize for each of them. But in real life, there are no second prizes. There is only the person that can read that's actually going to get where they want to in life, right? So, but I really feel bad. And that's why I said you have to be a loving and kind Christian. Okay, so please don't hate on me. Okay, thank you, guys. Um, okay, so... I just want to share, you can all sit, thank you so much. So I just want to share some um, information about the literacy program. And this was a statistic that our government actually um, announced, that 60% of grade four pupils are not functionally literate, okay? So what does that mean? It's got a knock-on effect when, as they grow older and they go through the ranks in school, etc. So like Craig said, we're going to start a literacy program. It is aimed towards single, unemployed mothers up the road, which is about two kilometers away in Jackson's. And we have received some funding. Thank you very much for that. But we do need more funding. So how can you get involved? You all received a heart on your chair. That is from Branch Out. It's an act of love from us seeing as our sermons are covering love and we know what's happening this week and all the kids are so excited about it. Um, you can either get involved by joining the, the literacy program, actually hands-on and physically helping people to learn how to read, or you can give financially to that if you feel, if you feel led to, to give financially. Um, the program takes about a three-month period. It'll start somewhere in April, just... Watch Oikos for, for more details regards that. It costs about 16,500 Rand a month for the costs. And we can take on about 60 to 80 people per program. They spend three hours twice a week to go through the program. They also, so it'll be literacy and numeracy that they are taught. So it's taking them from like zero comprehension to basic um, literacy skills. And... Um, yeah, what else? Three-month period, 16 and a half a month, do the math. We're looking, um, you know, for your, for your contributions. 
physically, financially. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sarah. As you can see, guys, from the, the little skit that Sarah put on for our, our wonderful volunteers, the, the difference between reading and not being able to read is massive. And so we can't fight poverty without engaging in this. And so if you want any information that was missed, our kiosk where we have coffee, the branch art team's going to be there. You can chat to them about any aspect of branch arts and where you want to get involved and um, chat to them about all that we're doing and uh, really just are excited about what we're doing and what the Lord has enabled us to do as a church and how we get to love the lost and love the poor and uh, really is enabling us to be in the fight in, in very intentional ways. So let's pray. Jesus, we are overwhelmed by your love and your mercy for us. You have displayed what mercy is. And you call us to love the same way. And so our love for you is shown often in how we love people. And God, we ask that you would continue to strengthen our resolve and our hearts as we wade into painful communities and working with people who are so hopeless. But because of the hope that we have in you, it allows us to go out and to love everyone. And so, God, we just pray boldly to ask that you would help us as a church to love the poor more and more and help us to become really good at creating systems that are going to be for them. They're going to see us make a tangible, significant difference in the lives of those who have no one fighting for them, no one speaking up for them. So God, we ask that you would have your hand on branch outs and on the plans that branch out have set before them and enable us to be a church that is just so good at loving everyone because that's what you have done for us. In your holy name, amen.